Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. This is a message from our series on the book of 1 Peter where we're challenged to live different. You can connect with us further at gatewaybaptist.com.au. Good morning, Gateway. It's great to see everyone here at church today. Whether you're joining us online or uh, here in campus with us today, it's great to see. It's great to see people getting some baptism towels as well. Exciting to maybe see some of those stories a little bit later on. But just want to encourage you. It's been a great day, a great start to the year, in fact. I want to encourage you to keep those conversations happening out in the Beyond Cafe or in the Flavors of Beyond after church today. It's a great chance to connect with some people, share stories, and hear even more stories about what God is doing among us here at our campus at McKenzie and online as well. But I, I probably am just probably encouraged. There are some great, there's some hard days as a pastor, but there are some great days we get to stand in a pool with a whole family. And I want to encourage you today, if that story, it's something in you goes, oh, I, need, I, I need to make that stand. I want to encourage you. We'll have a chance at the end of the service for those baptisms. Come rushing down at any stage, grab a towel. We'd love to help you take that step of baptism today. We're Baptists. It's what we do. It's part of our story. Um, but as, as we've heard many stories and miracles around the place, I know that we are continuing on this, this idea that God is going to multiply miracles and we're going to, as we magnify him. He's going to multiply his message and what he does in us. And today, I want to share one of my favorite parables in Scripture. Uh, it's from Mark chapter 4. It's the parable of the sower, and it begins a little bit like this, which begins exactly like this. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, where all the people were along the shore by the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said this, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell amongst thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear any grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It, uh, it sprang up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Let's just pause for a second here. It seems pretty simple on the surface, doesn't it? He's telling a story about growing crops. But if we put ourselves in a first century agrarian society who all, pretty much everyone he's talking to would have to grow crops at some stage, some way. They have to be thinking, Jesus, you are mad and absolutely burko right now. Why? Because no farmer in their right mind would take their, their seed, their precious livelihood that is generational wealth, uh, helps generations get wealthier as part of their family, but also feeds them, literally feeds their family. No one would take their livelihood and waste it by throwing it in places on the road where it's not going to grow, in rocks where it's not going to grow, and where weeds where it's going to get choked up. So the people listening to this won't hear the text that we've got in the start of our Bible, which says the parable of the good, uh, the, the generous, sorry, the parable of the sower. They wouldn't hear that. They would hear this thinking, this is the parable of the idiot farmer. The farmer who doesn't care about his livelihood or generational wealth or caring about future and family or putting food on his table, family's table, he doesn't care about that because he's throwing three-fourths of his seed in places it's not going to grow. And we don't get much else other than that. So I just want to put that in context. Everyone who hears this story just on face value is going, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. Your parable makes no sense. 
That farmer doesn't exist, and if he does, he should be shot or he'll probably die from hunger. So in this first parable in Mark, it's actually Jesus' first parable he tells to his, the people who are listening to it. He says this uh, uh, in verse uh, 9. And Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. But when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables, and he told them, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? This should make our ears prick up and get us to lean into the text, right? Because he says in his first parable he ever preaches, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any parable. So we should really pay attention to it and have ears to hear, as Jesus says, to listen to what is actually going on in the parable. But it's especially important because he actually then goes on, and we'll read it in a second, he actually explains what the parable is all about. Now, Jesus does this very, very rarely. He's asked 183 questions across all four Gospels, and he only answers directly to those 183 questions, eight questions. He gives eight answers in all of Scripture, then asks 300 and something questions of his own. So Jesus is all about the questions rather than the answers. So today when we hear this, this is one of those eight times that Jesus gives the direct answer, so we really have to lean in, okay? Have ears to hear what Jesus is saying. He explains it, verse 14, he says this. The farmer sows the word, and some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown amongst thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. End of story. Jesus explains it. He tells a bit of, gives a bit of context to it. But the beautiful thing, and we're going to unpack it a bit today, is that at the end of this, this picture, we get this picture of the good soil. It's not talked about much. He explains what the rocks and the thorns and the path is all about. He doesn't explain much about the good soil. I think this is the key. When the good soil produces a crop 30, 60, or 100 times more, the key is in the soil. If we want to multiply the message of Jesus in our life, if we want to see more of him uh, come to life in us, firstly, we have to be open to the message of Jesus. See, we multiply his message when we ourselves are open to what a generous farmer like God might want to plant in our life. See, the word that the word Jesus uses when he explains it is the word logos. He says, with the farmer sows the word. This word logos is the, it basically means the revealed will of God. So think about the God of creation, John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life and that life was the light of all humankind. God, this generous farmer in this picture that Jesus is painting, 
is throwing out his grace, his love, his forgiveness, everything that's been part of human history and even creation and nature since day dot when he spoke in the, in, the, in the beginning. All of it is being poured out and poured out in places that we think it's not gonna grow. This generous farmer is pouring out his grace. We heard Alan talk about his experience of learning what grace is all about. This grace begins to grow even in places unexpected, in places that we let be untended in our own life. See, God, this generous farmer speaks the grace, the undeserved favor of God all the time, all the, everywhere, all at once. And in every place it's unlikely to grow, he's putting it there anyway. Let that sink in for a second. There are places that we, as mere mortals, wouldn't dare throw out our time or our energy or grace because we don't think it's got much of a return for us. But not so with Jesus. Not so with God. They enter the places of our mess and mystery and, 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 uh, and or the places we keep secret in our own life and he's pouring his spirit out there anyway. See, the whole point of the parable is less about the harvest and we'll come to that in just a minute. The whole point of the parable is this. Are you good soil? Is your heart a place where good soil is that God can grow a crop that blows your expectations out of the water? The whole point of this parable is less about the harvest and more about the soil. So if we want to be open to the message of Jesus, we have to realize that God wants to multiply the message of Jesus in us. That's the whole point. That in us, if we open up our life and, and spend some time doing some soul gardening, so to speak, asking God to, to get us off the path or rip out the rocks of our life and, and cut down the weeds, that maybe if we, we, we allow him to make some good soil in our soul, he would plant something beautiful that grows beyond our wildest dreams. We would see ourselves not be choked up by the weeds or hurt by the rocks or just on the path the way things go anymore. Maybe, just maybe, he would do something in each and every one of us. If we wanna be good soil, there's no better time for us to do that in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. You would have heard Lauren talk about it. You can grab a booklet on the way out today, but it's also online. My question is this. If we wanna be good soil, how are we preparing it? How are we tilling the soil of our life in a way that God might speak into it and show us more of his love and grace and forgiveness and kindness and leading and purpose and passion? How are we preparing our life in a way that he might open up our life to grow something beautiful in it? I wanna encourage you, take this book, prepare your heart for how you're gonna pray, how you might fast, what you might fast from, that maybe God will grow something in the soil that you are giving God to be good. But that's perhaps maybe 30 times. If we're just existing here, if we open up our life and continue to open up our life to God, he might grow a crop that's 30 times more. What about a crop that's 60 times more? Well, I think we see that when we multiply the message of Jesus, we have to share the message of Jesus. See, as he begins to multiply in our life when we're open to him and the leading of the Holy Spirit, the crop begins to multiply and do good things to those around us. Because a crop is actually not for our own benefit. If you're producing a crop that's 30 times more, you're gonna have way more than you need. That crop becomes a gift for those around you, a crop to be shared. When you're fruitful, other people get to taste and see that the Lord is good. In Matthew chapter nine, Jesus is at a, at a party with sinners and tax collectors and people. We'll get to that in a minute. But at the end of all that, he says these words. He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, uh, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, 
He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I love coming to church. I love this place. I love we get to experience baptisms and hear stories about miracles happening and all the great work that happens here on a Sunday and during the week. I love it. It's a time and place where we feel whole and healed and come together as God's people. But if that is our only expression for two, perhaps two hours a week on a Sunday, we are missing the fact that Jesus wants to send us into the harvest field, into the place where the harvest is happening, in the, pe- the places we, we live, work, and laugh with, the people we live, work, and laugh with. See, we can sit back and receive on a Sunday, and God will grow something in us. But if that's true, he's growing more than enough in us to spread it and share it with others that we might be a blessing to those around us. See, there's 60 or 100 times more worth of what God wants to do in us if we open our life to him. And looking at the life of Jesus, he shows us and tells us again and again and again that our faith is incomplete unless we are sharing our faith and the good news of Jesus with those around us. You've heard me say this before. We're not really being a disciple of Jesus unless we are discipling someone else. And it sounds harsh, but we look at the message of Jesus and his life, the way, his ways, his words, and his works, and it all points to us having to share that with those around us. If we wanna see a harvest, a revival, it requires us not to sit back and just receive as good soil what God wants us to do. It requires us to go out into the field and share that with others. And today, I'd love to introduce you to someone called Angus, who is doing just that with his brother and has done it through the ministry of Alpha. So can we welcome Angus to the stage today? Thanks for joining me today, Angus. I, um, Angus is one of uh, the Alpha team here who hosts on a table on Tuesday nights, and you've been doing Alpha for quite a long time. And mate, I know that you've had a prayer on your heart for your brother for a long time. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? So maybe 30 years, and I know my, my father, who's up the back there, has been praying even longer uh, to see him born again. And uh, during COVID, God did just that. Um, he went through some hard times, not related to COVID, but COVID wouldn't have helped, um, as it didn't for a lot of us. But uh, uh, I got alongside him and, and started giving him some scriptures that uh, initially, I, I tried to find ones that spoke into the situation that he would help him understand his situation and also to uh, show him God's love, show him that there's a Father in heaven who loves him. And, uh, and we sort of went from there and I gave him a study Bible and, and, uh, and he started devouring it. And uh, we started meeting regularly, um, some, often over Zoom or um, things like that. And, and uh, uh, he would have questions and, I, and we, we would pray together and, and he came to faith through that. Um, and uh, then we actually started using the Alpha as a, as a tool, using it over Zoom actually. Um, there's about 16 videos in Alpha and uh, about once a fortnight roughly we would, we would meet and discuss those. Um, and uh, that, that was part of his discipleship because there's a lot of good stuff in, the, in those videos for mature Christians as well as for, for new ones. Uh, and it's a very encouraging and uplifting um, set of videos to watch. Uh, so that gave us some food for thoughts, food to discuss. Uh, and uh, we were, yeah, that was, it was a really 
wonderful part of his discipleship, which sort of culminated, because um, uh, actually he wasn't able to come to church through that time either, so that was his fellowship. That was his church, it was with me over Alpha, uh, over Zoom, and um, very beautiful. And then one time we had a family gathering at his apartment block, and we were playing in the pool downstairs, and he came up to me and he said, oh, do you think I could be baptized? Um, and uh, so we, we baptized him there in the pool, spontaneous, like you're trying to do today. Um, so maybe there's people God's wanting to speak to in that. But um, it, was, it was amazing. His, uh, the family were all there. And my, my, um, my daughter actually said, wait, you've got to ask him the question. <laughs> so um, Charlotte, Charlotte, my daughter, who, um, she actually um, asked him the question, are you going to follow Jesus all your life? Is he your Lord and Savior? And, um, you know, the family were involved in the baptism and praying for him afterwards and everything. And just, just beautiful. Mm. God's good. So good. It's great to hear that story. Mm. One of the things I love about your story, Angus, is that you saw discipleship not as something that happens when someone finally makes a decision, but it's years of pre-work, 30 years you've been mm. praying for your brother, of praying for and doing the journey with and sharing bits and bits of your uh, life with him as, yeah. as a faithful follower. What role do you think that plays in, in the faith work of someone? Uh, it's, it's everything. It's discipleship starts when you, start, when you initially reach out and show love to someone and uh, you share your life. I, I, I was, yeah, as I said, I was praying for him for lots. I, I tried sharing scriptures. I tried, tried um, we even had some family crises. I prayed with him and others. Um, I even gave him um, a, a book. I don't think he ever read it. I don't know if he's even still got it. Um, but yeah, in God's time, in God's way, God brought him to, to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's in our city campus today and isn't here yeah. with us to share that story yeah. on his own, but I wanna thank you for sharing it. I know that you have spent, uh, you're one of our alpha hosts at, at our table, but you also run a life group for new believers and that's been such a gift for us as an alpha team to have a place where they can be accepted and ask, keep asking big questions beyond alpha. Mm. What's your heart for that space? I, I just love it. Um, they, they're an all different ages. There's, I've got 92 or 93, I've lost count, um, down to early 20s. Um, and I think that's God. When people of that age range love each other and care for each other, it's, it's beautiful. So they're, they're coming on a journey. Uh, we, none of us are perfect yet, but we're on a journey of, of discipleship. And, and uh, that's got pretty big now. It's about 20-odd people, and we're, I'm actually praying through starting another one. So if, that, if something like that's on your heart, please talk to me. Um, yeah, and I'd, I actually really have a heart to help disciples make disciples, so, yeah. I love your heart for that, Angus. I'm gonna pray for you and that, that life group because I think it's a need in our church. There are people coming to Jesus in droves through Alpha. We get to see it week in, week out. It's a real joy we get to share together, but having a place where people who make that decision can be discipled here at church is one really important need we have in our church family. But I think the other one is us sharing that good news and doing the pre-discipleship work with those we live, work, and laugh with. Can I pray for you? Is yeah, that cool? Actually, can I just add yeah, sure. that new believers group, we call it new believers and seekers. They're not all believers yet. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, I love that too. You know? That's great. Well, let me pray for you. God, we wanna thank you so much that you've been at work in Angus's life. And for Winston too, God, his brother, we pray that you just continue to grow him in faith that he might continue to know you all the days of his life. But we wanna thank you that Angus has seen a need in his brother's life, and that need is you. And Angus has been faithful in sharing that over many, many years, 30 years. And we wanna thank you for the gift of salvation that he now receives. So I wanna pray for every person who's seeking you and, and even this group of seekers and believers, new believers. God, I wanna pray for, for more. 
that you would do more in that space. We'd see a, a harvest that's 30 times, 60 times, 100 times more of people coming to faith in that place and putting their trust in Jesus all the days of their life. May you bless Angus, and may you bless us as your church family as we take on this call of discipleship seriously, that there is a mission field and a harvest field right outside our doorstep, even in our own families. Encourage us to share the good news with those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can you thank Angus one more time? Alpha is just one way that you can do that. I think it takes courage, imagination, and faithfulness on our part to get out there and share the good news of Jesus with those we live, work, and laugh with. But if you want a place or a tool to help you do it, we're gonna put Alpha in your hands, which is why you've heard us talk about Alpha in the wild a lot over the last few weeks. I think for us, this is one of those key things in our life. We feel like Alpha's trapped on a Tuesday. Angus's brother could never have gotten here on a Tuesday night for Alpha. So let's put Alpha in their hands. Angus took Alpha out and spent it over Zoom. Anywhere is a place, a mission field, you can take the tool of Alpha and use it with your friends and your family and those you love. I wanna encourage you right now, get that QR code in front of you. Scan it, sign up for the training on Tuesday night. We'll give you an experience of what Alpha looks like. You'll get some training, even training about how you can share your faith simply with a stranger. It's called a 10-second testimony. I'll have the trainee there and help you do that. Come along to the training. We'd love to help you get everything you need to take Jesus and the good news of God to the people you love. See, Jesus wants to multiply his message in those we live, work, and laugh with. He wants to do it, but it requires us. And just like the soil and the parable of the sower, I know there are things that get in our way. Maybe you're a bit like the path. You feel a bit like you're just on the way and it's easy to get distracted and for the enemy to take what God's doing away because you get distracted by the ways of the world. Maybe in your life you've got some big boulders or rocks or past hurt or things that make your life feel shallow or scorched because you've been burnt in the past. Or maybe you feel like you, in this good soil of your soul, you feel like you're so concerned and worried about how am I gonna pay the paychecks for the family this week? The deceitfulness of the desire for wealth begins to choke up your faith or make you fearful of what it might mean to share that faith to someone else. See, beneath the path, around the rocks and through the weeds, God is pouring out his grace and his love in the good soil that's underneath it. And he wants to do a work in us to grow something beautiful and special. See, doing something like Alpha in the Wild can give you the confidence to share that with someone you may not have done that yet. And as we begin to open our life, then share our life with, and the good news with others, it multiplies from 30 to 60. But what makes it multiply 100 times? Revelation 12, 11 tells us this. This is a picture of in the end, at the end of time after battle for human history where God's armies fight the enemy's armies. How do they win? It tells us. They triumphed over him, which is the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Now that's faith, that I would love my life so much not to shrink from death. But the blood of the lamb, Jesus' work on the cross, parted with our story of our testimony, what he is doing in our life is the way it, it, we, we multiply it to 100. What kind of Christian, what kind of disciple do you wanna be today? A disciple who's satisfied with the way, way things are or do you wanna be a disciple who risks the way of Jesus to step out into places of the unknown that you may not have been before, empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit? See, we multiply the message of Jesus when we live the message of Jesus. 
when we choose to live it day in, day out, again and again, even when we fail to live the life of Jesus that other people see it in us. When we choose to live life in a way that everything we do points to the message and hope of Jesus. When we live with abundant generosity. When we live without a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. When we live in courage and faith, believing that those who've never come to Jesus in our life, we've been praying for 30 years, like Angus. We've been praying for 30 years. Might come to know, would we live with that kind of faith? When we choose to live in faith and be interruptible with compassion like Jesus was, that's when we multiply the message of Jesus and dial it up to 100. I know I've shared this story before, but it's too good not to share again. Tony Campolo, who's one of my favorite preachers, shares this story of when he was doing a, a conference in, in Hawaii. He's an American preacher. He flies over to Hawaii, and he is bushwhacked. He's at three o'clock in the morning, and his mind is wide awake because of the time difference, and he's got a grumbling in his stomach. He thinks, I can't stay here in the bed. I've got to get up and go out. So he ventures into Honolulu, searching for something to eat. And there's only one grungy dive-in-the-hole kind of diner that's open. And he walks in, the, the door dings, ding, ding, ding. Walks in, he sits down at the bench, and out walks this cranky old greasy guy with a greasy apron. What do you want? Tony sits down and goes, I'll just have the donut here, and the, just a black coffee's fine. So he sits there, and he, he's probably trying to eat quickly so he can get out of there because it's not a great place to sit. And then he hears behind him the ding, ding, ding of the door opening, and in walk eight or nine provocatively dressed prostitutes who've just finished their night shift um, in the streets of Honolulu. And they sit down and they start sharing and Tony begins to munch his donut a little bit faster and drink his coffee a bit faster still. But as he's sitting there and he hears them sharing and talking about stuff, the, the, the lady who's sitting right next to him begins to share just to the other lady on the other side of her and says, oh, tomorrow's my birthday, I'm gonna be 39. To which the other lady nastily replies, what do you want from me then? Do you want me to make you a cake, sing you happy birthday, throw you a big birthday party? No one's ever done that for me. Why should I do that for you? It's no big deal. And this lady is crestfallen. She's like, I didn't, I didn't mean anything about it. I was just saying it's my birthday tomorrow. I've never had a party. I, I, why should I start now? But it's my birthday tomorrow. And they kind of keep talking off and they finish up their conversation. And Tony's sitting there and he starts to eat his donut a little bit slower. And he drinks his coffee a little bit slower still. And as they all leave and the door goes ding, 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 and they all, it's just Tony in the diner and the big fat guy behind the counter. He goes, hey, do they come in here every night? Yeah, of course they do. That, that, that lady sitting right next to me here, did she come in every night? The guy behind the counter goes, yeah, why do you ask? Her name's Agnes. She comes in every night. What's it to you? Tony then sits there and a gleam gets in his eye. He's made a decision. He says, hey, how about we throw a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow night here in the diner. And the guy, whose name is Harry, it's on his name tag, this cute little smile creeps on this guy's face. He goes, yeah, we could throw a birthday party for Agnes. Hey, honey, we're gonna make a cake for Agnes. He shouts out, his wife comes out from the back. He's never seen the wife before, but she comes out and she's like, oh, we'd love to make a cake for Agnes. She's wonderful. She, she would love a cake. She does so much stuff for others. She never receives anything on her own. So they sit there at 3.30 in the morning conspiring about what they're gonna do tomorrow night. They're talking about crepe paper banners, they're talking about balloons blown up, helium, a big banner that says, happy birthday, Agnes. So Tony goes away, gets some sleep, speaks at the conference all day the next day, but in the middle of that somehow, somewhere, he's found time to make this crepe paper banner that says, happy birthday, Agnes. Takes it to the diner, 2.30 in the morning, and Harry has decked the place out. It doesn't look 
greasy or grimy anymore. He's put some spit and polish into it. It looks great. And as he gets there, um, Harry's made this incredibly massive cake that says happy birthday, Agnes, on it. And then as they're kind of getting things ready, he hear the doorbell go, and they're thinking, oh, Agnes is here already, but it's not. See, Harry's got word out to all the prostitutes in Honolulu. More than half the prostitutes from Honolulu are in this greasy hole in the wall diner. Tony says, it's wall-to-wall hookers, is what he says. They come in, they sit in the diner, and they hide behind the benches and kind of crouch down and, and get ready. And Tony's got it all ready to go. And at three o'clock on the dot, Agnes and her friend walk in, ding, 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 ding. The door goes, happy birthday, Agnes. All the prostitutes are shouting, the family's shouting, uh, the, 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 the guys behind the counter are shouting, his wife's shouting, happy birthday, Agnes. And Agnes, her eyes are, like she goes ghost white, her eyes are massive like saucepans. And then Harry comes out with his big cake on it, waddling out with all the candles on it, 39 of them, beautifully done. And that's when she loses it. She tears are streaming down her face and Harry's saying, cut the cake, Agnes, you've got to blow the candles and cut the cake. She blows out the candles She's, and Harry's holding that cake there, puts it down in front of her and she's holding the knife, but she can't cut it. Tears streaming down her eyes and Harry, who doesn't know what to do with a crying prostitute, says, just cut the cake, Agnes. And she says to Harry, is it okay if I don't cut the cake? I'd love to take it home and show my kids because they've never had a birthday cake themselves either. Harry goes, sure, I mean, you can take it to them now if you want to. And she goes, really, can I do it? She picks up the cake, holds it like the Holy Grail and walks out. And ding, 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 off she goes. And then suddenly the guest of honor is gone. And here's Tony Campolo sitting in this diner, looking at Harry. Harry's looking at him. The prostitutes are all looking at each other. And Harry just hops up on a chair and goes, why don't we pray for Agnes right now? And in that moment, he prays for her, her health, her well-being, her salvation, that she would know Jesus and know him beautifully and intimately. Harry, at the end of the prayer, he's got his arms crossed behind the diner again, goes, you didn't tell me you were a preacher, man. What kind of church do you go to anyway? And in just the right moment, when the words come beautifully, Tony says this. He says, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. in the morning. Harry's got his arms crossed. He goes, no, you don't. That church doesn't exist. Because if it existed, that's the church I'd go to. I don't know about you, but I want to belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. in the morning. And if I want to belong to that kind of church, I have to be that kind of church. Because the church didn't exist in that greasy hole in the wall diner. Tony was there and he was the church. So if I want to belong to a church that is willing to go out of its way to throw birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m., I have to live as the kind of Christian who would go out of my way to throw birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m., That's how I have to live my life. If I wanna see all these things that God might be doing in us, I have to choose to live my life in a way that God would would live and live loudly through me. See, I wanna belong to a kind of church that goes out of its way to sit with the smelly and the unwanted, which means I have to go out of my way to sit with the smelly and the unwanted. If I wanna belong to a church that takes gender equality seriously or wants to speak to, to politicians or powerful people on behalf of those who have no voice or the refugee, the migrant, the homeless and the helpless, I have to live my life in a way that I'm doing all of those things. See, the message of Jesus dials up to 100 and multiplies in us when we choose to live the message of Jesus in our day-to-day life. And it takes us and requires us to do a bit of action on that, 
to take a stand, just as those who stood in this baptism this morning to stand up and say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm not gonna have a Sunday faith or a lukewarm faith or just decide that faith is about me. I'm gonna step into all the things that you want for me, Jesus. I'm all in. And my question for us today as his church, sitting here at McKenzie and sitting in line, wherever, wherever you're joining us from today, are you all in? I know Tim asked that question on Vision Weekend, asking the question, are you all in? Are you? Is your baptism, if you've been baptized, is it coming alive in you as you share and live your life with the lost and the lonely? Are you sharing it with everyone you come into contact with? See, I believe that today there are people here who've been a Christian for a while, maybe you've been a Christian a while, like Jason in his story today. You've been a Christian for a long time, but today's the day to get baptized. Don't wait. That pool is warm. They can confirm that. It's nice and warm in there. We've even got all everything you need, shirts, underwear, Laurie went and did the embarrassing job of going to Kmart and buying out all the underwear in Kmart just in case because we have faith that people will respond. If God is calling and that whisper of the Spirit says, come forward and stand in that pool today. We're gonna take a moment. We're gonna sing a song in a moment. Come down the front, meet with Susan, meet with us. Grab a towel and, and we'll, we'll do it today. We're Baptists, it's what we do. But maybe today you're sitting here thinking, well, I've been, a ba I've been baptized and I can't come forward and get rebaptized again because you can't get baptized twice. That's what our theology tells us. We've got to come alive in the baptism we've already had. There is an invitation for each and every one of us. God, what do you want to do in me? You want to grow something in the soil of my life and, and plant something that's beautiful and great. What do, you want, what do you need to do in me today, Jesus? Or maybe to respond, it's actually, I've got someone like, like Winston a brother, family member, friend, stranger, work, colleague. They just need to hear the message of Jesus and I need to have the courage, the imagination and the faithfulness to go and share it with them. Whether it's baptism, asking God to do some good work in your heart, whether it's taking a step out and sharing that faith, there is something I believe each and every one of us can do here today. Would you stand with me? you're standing as you're able, I wanna encourage you. We're about to sing a song that talks about allowing God to make room in our life, that He would do whatever it is He wants to do today. So I wanna invite you just to, just to close your eyes where you are and just, and just pray this prayer with me. God, we make room for you. We make room for you to do whatever it is you wanna do in us today. Show us how we can do some soul gardening and be open to what you wanna do in our life. Show us the person in front of us or beside us or around us that we need to share the gospel with. Show us even in this room or online right now who we can nudge. Maybe we've been doing the journey with someone who we know has been talking about baptism. Who can we nudge and put our arm around and say, I'm gonna come to that pool with you right now. Maybe that's your story today, God speak. We pray that we would make room for you, Jesus, to do what only you can do and to do what you wanna do in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna start singing, but I wanna encourage our prayer team and our pastoral team are gonna come forward. If you wanna pray this through, if you wanna come and get a towel for baptism, if you wanna pray it through, I just need to be open to what you're doing here, God. Come forward, respond in prayer, and let God make room in us today. Let's sing.
us to not be the same today when we leave these doors as when we arrived. And I know there are people here who've been thinking about baptism and maybe you want to come down and grab that towel for another day. I want to encourage you, the baptism pool is open every week. You can come and get baptized. But I think there are people here today, maybe you're you're standing next to someone and you know you've been thinking about baptism for a while, maybe today's the day. I want to encourage you, don't let this day pass you by. Come and grab a towel. Make sure that you have a baptism date locked in for next week, but we have everything you need here right today. Don't leave this place without it. But I really believe that on every human heart in this room and joining us online, there is someone we know who needs to know the message of Jesus. I want to encourage you, either pray it with someone next to you, come down the front, pray with one of our prayer team. Lift that name before the Lord right now. Lift it. That God and make some room in your and ask God to make room in your life that you might be present to share it with however that might look like. So as we sing this song about making room for God, come forward, share that prayer, and be encouraged by what the Spirit is doing today. Come forward, let's respond. at work doing things in the core of who we are. And I just wanna pray a blessing on you that this week you would go in the power of Jesus through His love and mighty power to live out your faith loudly 
with Him. That every person you come in contact with would know the love and grace of Jesus through the way in which you live your life. And God, may you bless us as we go. It will be a blessing to those around us. We pray this, believing it's something you want us to pray in Jesus' name. But we have the chance right now to witness someone in baptism, which is a beautiful thing. Would you give uh, the team a welcome as they come forward and hear this awesome testimony? Feel free to grab a seat. Uh, I'd love to introduce to you young Isaac, who is here with his mom and his grandma. He's getting baptized today, and he's gonna share a little of his story. Okay, um, I don't really have much of a speech since this is pretty like spontaneous, <laughs> but I've grown up in a Christian home, so God's always been there, but I think I've always, the future's always just seemed a bit scary to me, like, I've always questioned why did I get put in this generation? And it's definitely been unknown, but I think with God, it's a bit, it's a bit of a step into the unknown. So, yeah. Good night. Isaac, you mentioned in your story, but uh, do you choose to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I do. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, not that confession of your faith, Great joy to have your mom and your grandma here. We're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you keep that round of applause going for Olivia as she comes to share? I've been a Christian all my life, been really blessed with a Christian family. When I graduated school, I was kind of like, this is it, this is my chance, I'm gonna have a super exciting life. And I started to pray to God for like, give me something exciting, give me like all the opportunities that you see everyone else getting. And I think I kind of went towards like, the world's kind of exciting. Like I was praying to God, I was like, give me the excitement, but I wasn't like sacrificing and I wasn't investing. And then at the start of February, I went to Universe, which was a camp for Christian uni students. And that basically just opened my eyes and opened my heart on to how, like, how I should be sacrificing and trying to like, find others to love Jesus as well. So now I've decided I am gonna take the risk and I'm gonna be spontaneous, but I'm not doing it for the earthly reward. And even if no earthly rewards like ever happen in my life, um, I have taken the risk and I have God as my reward and I don't need anything else in this life. I just need to sacrifice for him because he loves me. That was really fast, sorry. <laughs> Olivia, just a simple question. Do you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and choose to follow him? Yes. Well, on that confession of your faith, I'm going to baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're at work here today and working all of our lives. And God, as we, we stand here as witnesses to the work of baptism for the whole family and those who made that decision at the end of the service today, God, we have a, a responsibility to a church to support, encourage, and love them. So use us, God, we pray, to live our lives out loud and live them boldly and courageously. 
that everyone around us, whether they're Christians or not yet Christian, would know there is a Father in heaven who loves them and that you're at work in their life powerfully and beautifully as well. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Isn't it good to be in church today, right? I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I want to thank you for joining us today, joining us online or here. If you are here today, don't forget to get your flavors of beyond. And if you are, have young families as well, go collect them. But there are some flags on the over where families can gather together for lunch today. I want to encourage you to head out there and enjoy the day. But otherwise, we'll see you here next week for church again. God bless. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.